It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome to Monday's edition of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Cairns and today I am joined by Craig Anderson. How are you doing, Craig? I'm doing, I'm doing great and I'm pleased to be back in a room with you, Craig. It's, uh, it's been far too long and uh, nice to yeah get the get the mic out, get the headphones on and get the full the full um, thing rather than like sitting hunched in front of a laptop. You didn't even realise that I had decorated uh, my my front room Ukrainian colours. Yeah, which was preemptive, I think. Yeah, before it was cool. But, but apparently, I was here when it was done like that. I just uh, we'd obviously had too much to drink by then, or <laughs> something. I don't know. Well, it was the it was the England Scotland game, and I think we had been maybe out at the the game that nobody was at before that. Uh, Croatia Czech Republic, of course. Yeah, that everybody was in London, so it was quite not not much of an atmosphere in that match. No, unlike the unlike the bouncing atmosphere at the the. Uh, the other games that had 12,000 people at them or whatever. But, but to be fair, the, the two Scotland games did feel like there were, you know, it, it felt like there was more than 12,000 at yeah. them, but it didn't feel like the, the Israel or Denmark games. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a complete difference. Thank God it's back to that now. And we are here today to talk about, as always on a Monday, the weekend action that has just passed. We'll start at Tynecastle, and it was Hearts 3, Hibs 1. Hibbs took the lead through Dre Wright before a double from Andy Halliday and another from Stephen Kingsley consigned Hibbs to the bottom six. Craig, did we just witness a good Edinburgh derby? Yeah, well, nobody, nobody apart from the people there witnessed it. Um, for for they're, they're constantly on the telly and they're always like nil nil or one nil, and then all of a sudden the one that's not on TV is a is a is a, a storming game. And, and as I say, I was I was at Rugby Park on Saturday, so didn't didn't see it. And I think. The same could be said for the Dundee Derby. Well, there's been some better ones of those on TV, but uh, it seems like having the cameras away maybe improved the spectacle for uh, for everyone else. So um, that that would be a dis- I was going to say it'll be a decision to make next season. No guarantee Hibs will, Hibs will be playing Hearts next season the way their form is. But um, yeah, it, it was a good game. I, I watched I watched a lot of it back and. Um, Tynecastle Tyne for a big derby game or Easter Road for that matter. It's loud. It's raucous. And if the football matches the atmosphere then the atmosphere builds up even more and I think we saw that and especially I guess there was a bit of schadenfreude from the, the Hearts fans as well with um, yeah, Hibs, Hibs being consigned to the bottom six and deservedly so I would say for their form form since Christmas um, since since basically since they got rid of Jack Ross they weren't doing brilliant before he, he left but that was not doing brilliant relative to where Hibs think they should be and probably, argue, probably correctly think they should be which is challenging for the top four but I don't think there's any doubt if Jack Ross was still Hibs manager, they would not have uh, they would not have slipped into the bottom six. That doesn't mean sacking him was wrong, but it means that there's big question marks over the appointment that they did make. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I would still be in the camp to say to to give him a bit more time. But of course, you would. 
<laughs> I don't, and I don't mean in that sense. But before we move on to Hibs, uh, it was Andy Halliday's day. The, the Hibs fan sung his name after he put it over the bar, and then he he got it up them with two Scatchel-esque finishes. Actually, he scored a couple of goals this season, and they've pretty much all been very good finishes. And even if you think back to the last season, the opening day, the goal, maybe the two goals that he scored against Dundee were both very good and yeah, yeah, so he's got he's got that in him. Did he not score an absolute, yeah, he did score an absolute peach in the famous 2016 Scottish Cup final. That oh was, yeah, yeah, so he did. Goal. Yeah. Like, he, he probably had it and he said he was going to be the, the Rangers hero winning them the cup until um, Stokes and Grey popped up but, but yeah, I, I, I've been impressed with him this season I, I don't really rate him as a player, I think I was hugely surprised Hearts brought him in, or, or at least you kind of thought for the championship you could understand it, but for him to stick around, I think he got a longer contract. Um, I, th- I found strange, but then he's he's quite versatile and that's been put to good use. Hearts have got a small squad this season and they've had to use him in a few different places. And to be honest, he's not really let Hearts down. There's times, and, and that's weird to say when he's um, obviously scored two nice goals, but there's times when he's been found wanting for quality, um, especially kind of playing higher up the park. But... You always know what you're getting with them, and I suppose every squad needs needs a feel like that. And and I think like I was just watching this back and thinking, and it, it might be something we talk about in, in Patreon. Hearts have a really strong core. Um, they they could do with adding a few more bodies to the squad, but they've got some really good players, and they've got the bulk of those signed up for next season. And I think that's something that's rare because they've secured third place now, and it's rare that a team who does so well one season is able to hang on to so many players for the next season now yeah some of them are getting a bit older but it should bode well for Hearts and I think that this performance I mean the, the one the one kind of thing with that is Ellis Sims who I thought was, was superb in this game he's obviously only on loan whether there's a chance of making that permanent or not maybe it will depend on what happens to Everton but I mean for an experienced centre half like Paul Hanlon to go up against him and he's a young guy and he just got completely taken taken to task really Hanlon was just bullied pushed all over the park and as much as Hanlon's strength has never been you know the physical side of his game not many forwards make him look as stupid as I think Sims did on, on Saturday yeah I think you're right I think where his game's lacking is definitely his finishing but he's got Lots of other great attributes that make him, uh, yeah, a handful. And him and Boyce together have uh, struck up a very good partnership. And yeah, have been one of the reasons that Hearts have pulled themselves out of that rut that they had not so long ago. And 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 looking like they're going to finish the season strongly. We'll see. We'll see what happens in the the rematch uh, this weekend. But turning or before one other player I wanted to mention actually is Peter Haring. He's getting a new contract. Um, no idea what went on behind the scenes there, but it's, it seems a little bit weird that it took until Benny and Devlin to get injured for that the ball to get rolling on that. Um, it was an absolutely fantastic ball that he put in for for Kingsley's goal to to put Arts ahead. Yeah, I think he. I think he was maybe just a victim of the fact that probably the other two that you mentioned are better than him, and so I wonder if Nielsen's thinking, "Look, I'm building a squad here." maybe I can get a different type of midfielder in and that was maybe where the, the reluctance came but then well, he's, he's obviously shown his worth. You already mentioned it, we've got a small squad. It, yeah. So, you can play I don't know, half but maybe well. it was contingent on finishing third and getting into Europe or something like that. I, I'm not sure. I was going to say he can play centre-half as well. Craig, Craig Levine showed he can play centre-forward um, averagely as well. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a, and he seems like a good character. I mean, everything you've seen about him... Seems like a nice guy, probably not not exactly high maintenance in the dressing room and all that stuff. So, if hearts are if hearts are talking about, they, they should be keeping players who have been proven to be good, such as him, and bringing in a few more. And you know that's where you can take gambles. It's much easier to take gambles on players when you've got a deep squad, or, or sorry, you've got a core of players that you know you can rely on. It means if your gambles don't work, you know you lose a couple of games. You don't get relegated so it's kind of it's much easier to do so keeping someone like him yeah, it makes sense and um, just to touch on Barry Mackay I thought I'm sure it was him the ball through for um, the chance Sims missed when he tried to lob the keeper is just superb against a team who who are uh, massive fans of uh, through balls the the through ball experts of Berlin FC um, I I thought it was excellent Um, Sims I think it's a bit unlucky I think he does the right thing with the finish and 
Um, but yeah, I, because every time he tries, tries to strike a ball like that, he puts it straight at the keeper. It seems. Well, yeah, and and um, and the goalie was out pretty quickly to shut him down. So it, I don't think he had many options. I, I don't think he could really. Could it was really agonisingly close as well. It wasn't like an absolute howler. But uh, yeah, I know what you mean. It, it's just. It looks quite bad because it it looks like one that you should maybe just put your foot through and take your chances the other side of the keeper. And if you try something clever like that and it doesn't come off, then it, I don't know. It, it can look worse right. than it is. I think. I think a footballer has to base their not on what people think, but on what, what's the best way it's going to go. And that was the best way it's going to go. And the fact that other folks think he looks daft, I, d- I doubt Robbie Nielsen will be bothered about him taking that type of chance because I think it shows a bit of confidence as well. But. We're talking about a miss, obviously, in a game that had four goals, but nonetheless, I think it was a beautiful bit of play from Mackay, who he's not impacted every game for Hearts, but when he is on it, and he was on it on Saturday, he's just superb. Yeah, he is. He really is. Turning our attention to Hibs, since the start of the season, there's been a little bit of uh, misfortune, I think. I mean, they've lost Martin Boyle, the best player. Kevin McGuinness started the season well. He's got injured. Kevin Nisbet, I know he's not had the greatest season, but he's got injured but it just for all the excitement of the recruitment it's really not come through and that front three that they started with it just doesn't really inspire much at the moment I mean you maybe want to lay off Melkerson a little bit um, given how old he is and maybe he can recapture some of what he did against Motherwell in that game but he's really not done much since then Dre Wright I mean you can't argue with his contribution he seems to be a, a big game player in that hip squad for one reason or another and he's 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 helped put them ahead and hips had their tails up in that first 15 minutes but um they looked like the game they wanted the game over after about 30 minutes but yeah I, I, that's been a bit lacking there but I still think that Maloney probably needs a bit of time before you can before you can be fully judged like I, I, I think every manager deserves a, a summer transfer window in a pre-season before they're they're fully judged I mean I think the, the 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 question I would have about Maloney is we've seen very little from him so far to suggest that you know what the, the early games there was a wee bit of signs of oh, like this is how he's going to play but teams got quite wise to it and you've just seen time and again they're getting punished for mistakes they've been pushed around the park they're, they're very weak and my concern would be that you can say, and, and, and then I'm sure he will get this summer because he's he's the, the new chairman or the new whatever his job is, his man, and I don't think he'll want to kind of lose face like that, but a manager can do a lot of damage in a window if they're bringing in the wrong type of players and then you, and then you try and get, you know, like a kind of more, uh, more Scottish style, which is a weird thing to say about Sean Maloney because he's Scottish, but you know what I mean, like a more traditional style manager in, but he's got a bunch of players who don't suit that and so... It, you have to be very sure of his vision. You have to be very sure that the way that Maloney wants to play is a actually going to work in this country. Probably it can, but also more importantly that he actually has it in him to coach the team to do that. And we don't have any evidence of that whatsoever because he's been a youth coach and an assistant. Maybe he's fantastic. Maybe he gets his ideas across well. I'm unconvinced. Just you're just. I feel that like you're starting to hear these wee murmurings of the existing players being a bit you know, un- unclear or unsure of them and that then could lead to problems in summer if the, a lot of the kind of guys that have hung around for a while leave a whole new team. I can just see, I it could go well, um, you know, and they could get the right players and all that, but there's a lot of signs pointing to it going quite badly for them and I think there's just little things like, I know I know he was involved um, and, and has generally been, but things like playing Harry Clark as a left wing back, it's these things where you start going, look, you've got so you've got options that would allow you to get Clark closer to his own position because you know he played right centre back a bit for County as well it just feels it's, it's when they start seeing these little things and you're like I'm not sure that you're trying to do the the right you know you, you've not got the ideas it's like you're trying to overthink everything and that's when I start worrying about a manager and I like Sean Maloney as a player and, and I kind of want him to do well because I think he's he's someone I think Scottish football is better for variety and so having someone who can come in and play a different way great that's what we want we don't want kind of identical teams like Hearts have been fantastic I wouldn't want 12 teams in the league that play like Hearts and so that's what it's been good you know Celtic have got their own style this season Rangers are 
played yeah, they're playing their way. They're maybe not as, as good this season as last, but they've got a distinct way of playing. And the more variety we have, that's great. But it needs it needs to be functional as well. And that's what I'm, maybe we'll get the big performance, you know, on Saturday that I think we have in them. I think if everything clicks the way Hibs want to play, they, you know, they could smash someone, but they would need a lot of things to go right. And I think they, I think they need players that are better than some of the players that are um, on the park for them. And I think yeah, you, you touched on a few of them, but not being at all convinced even by some of the ones that have been brought in since Maloney arrived at the club um, as well, like Bashiri. Don't don't rate him. Um, Melkerson could have it, but again, he's a young player and he's been, you know, probably playing more games than they wanted to give him. Given he's you know played a summer season last year and he's you know coming from second tier football, it's not in second tier football in a league worse than ours. So it's it's a big jump for him. Then some of the other signings he's made have not, um, I've basically not we've not seen them. And then you've got um, Chris Miller who. I appreciate it wasn't it wasn't Maloney's signing, but a phenomenal waste of money. He looks like he he, he just doesn't look very good. Like, there's there's not a lack of effort. There's, there's like a just a general lack of ability there, and that's the worry. It's not like some players where you're like, you know, they just need a bit of time. I feel like we're seeing the best of them, but that best of them was just just not fundamentally good enough. But I could be wrong. I did enjoy Maloney being asked before the game if he had ever been involved in any matches like this where so much had been at stake. Uh, anyway, we will be back after these. Now, as we said, Hart secured third and will contest the group stages of the European competition should they win the semi-final coming up on Saturday. And speaking of historic achievements, just what a massive achievement it will be to see Aberdeen contest the group stages of the League Cup next season. Yeah, I think it's been it's been a long time coming. It's a prestigious uh, a prestigious part of the game in Scottish football and Aberdeen have been missing to missing from it for far too long. So looking forward to seeing them pitching up at Peterhead or um you know in the in pre or pre uh, I'm even calling it pre season because that's what it feels like when you go to the games. Having seen my club in it most seasons, um I, I mean I'm <laughs> having a dig at Aberdeen here, but I this is coming from a team that's been in it way more than it should be since it started. I mean, more often than not since it started, probably. But, but there, I mean, there's a serious point there. This is Aberdeen. I think it's eight or nine seasons of consecutive European football. And that's that's that done. Um, they, uh, I felt, it, I'm not saying that they were wrong to get rid of McInnes, but I felt it was inevitable that as soon as they left, they were going to go backwards, and, and that's what we've seen. Um, they didn't need to go as far backwards as they did, but they made a, they obviously made a terrible appointment last year. Good when I think will probably do well. Um, assuming he assuming he keeps them up, um, it will rebuild. But yeah, the, the thoroughly, like I said, Hibs thoroughly deserve to be in the bottom six. Aberdeen thoroughly deserve it even more because Aberdeen have been atrocious this season, and it was crazy that they got to the last game only needing to to win at home. Yeah, and and that one of these defeats turned into a win would have saw them qualify for the top six. It's mad. Yeah, you're not fit to wear the shirt. Some of them fans chanted at them after the game. Uh, Goodwin, he took some of the blame after it. He's won just one of his seven matches in charge. And I was looking at today, and it's just. There's such a hell of a rebuilding job. I started listing the positions that they needed, and it's easier to talk about other positions. I think centre midfield, they're okay. I mean, they're but they'll probably lose Ferguson. Yeah, they're going to lose Ferguson, but that was always going to happen. So, I mean, they're always they've probably always been looking at potential replacements for that for the money that will come in for him. So, um, I think there was always going to be. I think with um, McCrory being moved back there and with Connor Barron showing some potential, I think and like a, a few other bodies that they that they will inevitably have in there for next season. I think that's a decent start. I think just about everywhere else in the team because obviously the right back's quite good, but he's probably going to go. Their goalkeepers regress. They need a new centre half pair in, and if they don't need a player for every position, then they at least need competition in that position. Yeah, and and that that's what's been shown is the a lot of the players have brought in recently. The recruitment's been really poor, and when you you can get away with one bad window, but I think they've probably had three bad windows in a row. And when you do that, you're you're stuck with a lot of junk, and that's kind of what they're you look around their squad. And we, me, me and Craig Fowler did a podcast with someone else. I terribly forget who it was now about the worst player for each uh, the best and worst player in each squad and you started looking at that Aberdeen team and it was getting harder and harder to pick out a name 
Whereas four or five years ago, you would have had like five or six good players to choose from. And it was kind of Lewis Ferguson by default this time, even though he's not had the best season. And yeah, there's a lot gone wrong there. And as you say, it's a big job now. I think Goodwin's someone who's proven himself at St Mirren to be excellent in recruitment. Um, he goes through these spells where he loses a lot of games and that can obviously be a worry. And Aberdeen, beyond this season, the type of run they're on just now will not be tolerated. I think he's getting away with it just now because they know it's not his squad that Glass is a bit of a nightmare and he's trying to pick up. He's, try, he's trying to win games with uh, with David Bates and either Ross McCrory or, uh, or uh, Declan Gallagher at centre-back. So what chance have you got? But he's got a lot of work to do to kind of win the Aberdeen fans back over in the summer, I would guess. But I, I do I do fancy he'll do it. But in the meantime, it's it's, it's exactly what I think everyone thought was going to happen. But it was, I was being flippant, of course, but it was Ross County's day. And I would say that of all the teams that were going for the top six on the last day, maybe with a slight exception of Dundee United, Ross County are probably about the only one that you felt deserved to on the day because they've the only one that seemed to be in any kind of form. I think they've had something like four or five wins in their last nine. And I don't know, do you, do you think they have a chance of maybe sneaking Europe there? I think they'll finish fourth. Um, I think the form they're on compared to the rest, I, I can't, I can't see them not finishing ahead of United and Motherwell. To be honest, um, I think they'll probably just need a couple of wins to do that. Because United look like they're on the beach at two 0 Yeah, and and I think it's weird because you know fourth definitely is Europe and fifth might be, but um, and they'll know they'll know probably by you know if Hearts do beat Hibs, they'll know that fifth definitely is by um, by by next weekend, but. Just the form, I mean, since um, they, they obviously got three points for their first 10 games, but since then, them and Hearts have had the same number of points. Um, is it 30, 37 points from the, the remaining games? Something like that. Uh, and that's the best behind Rangers and Celtic. And they are just they are just the form team at the moment. And I think it's probably why, and I, I, I'm not saying it was the right decision morally, but it's probably why they were willing to, to take the gamble on Mackay because he, is, he has shown himself to be a good manager before. And and you've seen that again. You thought you were, and I was kind of hoping it was the case that when they started so badly, you're thinking, oh, you know, yesterday's man and all that. But but ultimately, no, he's proven himself. A game like this, I think he got the tactics right. I, I mean, they rode the luck a wee bit, but if you're going to Petardry and you need to win, you have to be cagey. You have to sit back, and especially the way Aberdeen are, you have to just kind of draw the frustration out of them. And that kind of felt like what was happening is they started to frustrate and frustrate and frustrate. And eventually they were getting their chances on the counter. They got incredibly lucky, obviously, with the decision they got for the penalty because it, it just wasn't one. But um, so I mean, um, obviously, you always get thrown the referee questions. But is it a case? The second one is he? Is that a case of he's known he's got the first one wrong, so he's trying to find a way to give another one? There's probably an element. I, I don't think he got the first one wrong. I think Charles Cook plays for it and and buys tries to buy a foul. I, I was I thought. It wasn't a penalty the first one, but it'll be playing on his mind nonetheless. But I think the issue is what happens is when it hits his hand, his hand's by his side when it hits it, but obviously the momentum of the ball like throws it backwards kind of up into there. And I think the referee obviously sees the hand out there and thinks that's where right. you know. I didn't consider that's what, that. That's what I guess has happened, but it's, it's a bad decision. And again, for, for Aberdeen, you won't say it cost. I mean, literally, it probably does cost them. Well, the fact they wouldn't, they wouldn't, have, they wouldn't have been in the top six anyway with the draw. Um, probably, I yeah, I don't think so. But the point is again, and and we talked about it with David Martindale last week. You can complain about a bad decision here and there, but it's thirty three games, and Aberdeen should Aberdeen should not be even close to having to worry about the last day for the top six with the budget they have. It it should be given, and yeah. So I think that the accounting were lucky, but again, over the course beyond the first couple of months of the season they, they deserve it and I, I, obviously as I say I, I don't like Mackay I think he, you know, he's got a lot of problems um, and, and it, it was I don't think he's shown nearly enough contrition um, you know for what for what he's been involved in and I think that's that's been an issue but as I said as a manager you've you've seen what he's capable of and he's built he's built an exciting team you know it's, it's exactly the type of team that I think of a fan of a smaller club, and I'm talking non-city club here. It's what you want to see because it's graft, it's solid guys, but then quite good on the counter attack, exciting players, and and 
scored a lot of goals and that's kind of what you want and he's done that and they've showed it up a wee bit recently I think it's been 3-1-0 wins recently but before that they were you know quite swashbuckling there was a lot of goals in their games so I think they're showing a lot of variety and as I say I, I now think they'll probably be in Europe next season and be the, the first debutants for quite a while in Europe so it's quite it's it's good for the club and, and it's a club that I've generally had a lot of time for as I say I, th- I think question marks over the appointment from a moral point of view but again as this football has a lack of morals and they've made a decision that's probably achieved something that they were most people's relegation favourites especially because they, they saved themselves at the kind of death last season with three three wins in the last three games but you know they've, they've got it spot on on the park and yeah I Good, good luck to them. I think, I think they, I think they will finish, uh, finish fourth. And you mentioned them there a minute ago, but Livingston they had it in their hands until the dying seconds. They were two and up against Motherwell, and their former defender Ricky Lamy finished off. Uh, right, I'd, I'd like to focus. Forget about the goal. I'd like to focus on one thing for this. Liam Kelly's positioning at that corner. Why? Why is? Why has he come all that way to stand in the edge of the box? Maybe just in case it's cleared and it why, comes why to the edge of the box. You're the goalkeeper. You're the player that you least want on the edge of the box. He's going to shield about it. It was almost like they were going to play one of those like post goals corners to the edge of the box <laughs> for the goalkeeper to volley. It, it was just weird, but yeah. Or maybe the he was trying to tease somebody out to mark him or something like that. Possibly could be, but yeah, I just found it weird. But um, no. The one thing you say about this Motherwell team is they've they've generally always found a way. I think Motherwell as a club, they have a tendency to not necessarily convince a lot, but then suddenly get the get the job done. And I think that's been a like, you know even going back to McCall, going back to when they finished second under McCall up at Petodre, the following season, um, the, the, there was a season after that when they finished third as well. What do you thought? How have they done that? And even the the COVID season. They seem to not win any games and um the, the the pre-COVID season, I mean the one that got stopped early. They they seem to not win any games for ages and still somehow managed to finish third. So it was stuff like that. They seem to be a team that just always gets the job done. And and it was kind of quite dramatic fashion. But Livingston it's unforgivable to be two 0 up with fifteen minutes to go in a game that matters so much and and not see it out. Yeah, and that, that slightly goal actually I mean I don't think it's Fowler pointed this out last week, but I don't think it's any coincidence that uh, he's come in and they've been better the last couple of matches. But that's not really what he's known for, what he does. But it seemed like that was the only kind of goal that was going to get them back into that match because they, they they looked done. Yeah, yeah, they were they were thoroughly second best for for the bulk of that game and defending wasn't great. I would say from from Levy um, in in that goal, and then clearly not because. Talk, talking about the, the Liam Kelly's positioning at the um the, the equaliser, there's two Muller when the ball goes in the net, there's two Muller players standing completely unmarked at the back post. So I, I just the, the Levy players all seem to like bunch around the ball. It's all and, desperation yeah, in the last seconds. It's so seconds. typical of like even even at the highest level, no matter how good the teams are, you get to the last minute and, and players just lose their heads and they go they get sucked to the ball. They just start lashing things. It doesn't matter how you know. It doesn't matter who it is. If it's Livingston or it's like AC Milan, I don't know why I picked them. Bayern Munich went through my head. A very nineties wasn't it? But uh, so they, was mine. <laughs> they just start. They just start lashing the ball up in the air and all sorts. And um, ultimately, yeah, mother. I mean, it was a bit lucky because it's obviously the first effort goes off the bar and then it comes back and stuff. But Motherwell did what you have to do, and and I would like to to. The, the role of Bevis Mugabe in all this, who seemed to be thrown as a kind of auxiliary forward. He was, yeah. doing, he was doing absolutely nothing good, but... He got it, a hip it, assist. He got a hip assist for that yeah, slattery goal, it, it playing like, as a target man. It was like he was just kind of present, and that was enough to... Because the ball was just like bouncing off him, and he was like getting in the way, but somehow it, it seemed to work, because he, he was involved in the... Um, he went in the corner for the, um, the equaliser as well. But yeah, ultimately, I have question marks about Alexander. I think he's, um, I think he's rubbing players up the wrong way. I think you're seeing that, um, you know, on the pitch a bit. And I think the fans haven't really taken to him. But he was probably asked, "Well, get us in the top six and he's done it." So there's kind, of, it's kind of hard to get rid of him at this point. But I think I would, I would be slightly worried if if he's there next season that they'll they'll slump. 
And finally for the matches where there was something at stake for the top six places, we turn to Tanadice where the Dundee Derby finished Dundee United 2, Dundee 2. That was a lot of Dundees in there. I thought that Dundee were... I didn't want to say it again there, but I had to. I thought that they were done a few weeks ago and I wouldn't say I've changed my mind or anything, but uh, given the last two performances where... They've not been great for large parts of both the matches. You can see goals. I mean, that's an absolute howler from Lola. It's like he's jumping on a teammate for a goal celebration or something like that. But they've shown dig and they've shown fight. And I tell you what, they didn't. They even looked done before they equalised against Aberdeen as well, in the sense that I mean, they didn't really have many chances. They weren't like peppering the goal or anything like that. They got two set pieces that they that they managed to uh, to take advantage of. So, yeah, is the fact that even though there's not that much attacking quality there, and I said last week there's no goals, but they've scored four goals in two matches, is there enough fight there, do you think, for them uh, to put pressure on St Johnston? They'll put, I think the thing folks sometimes forget is when you're coming into the bottom six, it's five games against equally bad teams. So, while, while normally in a five-game run in the early part of the season, if you're bottom of the league... You're thinking like two wins is probably a good achievement. You know you're probably going to get take a couple of doings. That's not really true after the split, and clearly they're not going to go and win five games. But they might not need to. They might you know three wins in a draw or something. If they can pull that out of the bag, they're probably not going to do it. But it's when you look at who they're playing, it's hardly inconceivable that would probably be enough to reel in St Johnston, um, unless St Johnston themselves go on an equally kind of strong run. They, they've they've got they've got enough about them that they could win games. The problem is since McGee came in, they haven't won. They're going to pro- they're probably going to need to win at least two, probably three games after the split. They've they've got enough about them to do that, but I find it unlikely to picture McGee winning those games. The way that they've the way they've defended, especially, but the way that there's been a lack of belief that they can win I think and and you know they've, they've had to go behind in these games no wonder when your manager's telling you that you're not going to win many matches it's like just giving you permission like to not win I think even if you think that I don't think it's something that needs to be said so weird it is it, I, can under, I can understand where he's coming from he's saying look I don't I, I'm just not, being honest isn't he yeah but I, I think there's a way of being honest and I think the way of being honest is saying look every single every single game on paper we can win it I know we're not going to literally do that, but every single game you should go out and think we could win, yeah. see how many we can, and go with it. But that's not a reverse Presley. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, exactly. But it's um, it, it was it was uh, I was going to say Darren Jackson. Was it Dan? Someone at Dundee United who did it as well. Um, was it Darren Jackson who was their assistant to McNamara? He was assistant, but I don't remember. I think he said, "Oh, we will definitely stay up" or something. The year they went down as well. Oh, right. Um, but yeah, th- there was I, I, it's slightly related. But I remember the Chersniak one where he said they were. The, 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 I think they the could treble. win the treble. Yeah. I think, but again, sometimes like the sometimes you get coaxed into answering those kind of questions, and it's uh, sensationalised a bit. But but yeah, saying no, we're not going to win many games. Well, Mark, that's the only reason you can possibly have been brought into the club because it's literally your job. Yeah, J- James McPeak wasn't the best manager, but he, he was he was doing okay. He was keeping them in touch, but. Yeah, I think I think they probably will go down, but it's is you've got you've got games against teams you can beat, and they, they've got the split fixtures came out just before we started, and they're playing St Johnston the first game before. Will they go down as easily as Charlie Adam did a week after he had to go at Lewis Ferguson for going down and saying it's a man's game? He, he chucked himself. He chucked himself, and because he's such a big guy, it was so obvious it was a dive. I think if he'd been a bit more nimble. You might have got away with it, but you're just seeing like this big lump kind of chucking himself to the ground, and yeah, um, it was it was more funny than something to get outraged about. United are in the top six and still have a European spot to fight for. They're not the most prolific team; they haven't been the whole season, but most of their success this season has been based on a tight defence, which they seem to have lost a bit now. They haven't had any clean sheets in the last eight, and they've had just one winning that time now overall I've been pretty impressed by Courts he's done very well with the resources that he's got and I think if you look at this as one step in a progression and they improve 
next season. And I think all told, I think you could probably um, forgive some of the errors and mistakes of the season, especially given that he has achieved top six, has the chance of getting into Europe. And all the while, which not a lot of managers have done this season, he's given minutes to quite a lot of young players. Yeah, I think he's done everything that's been asked of him as a manager. I, I, I've still got doubts about him because I think he, he just talks a lot of shit. But he's, uh, he, what he's done on the park has been... I, would say, I, I mean, impressive maybe a bit far because he's been fortunate that a lot of other teams have also not been that good. So the points total they've had is hardly like amazing. But the, nonetheless, after the split, they're in fourth place in the league, they're in pole position for Europe. Some very good individual performances yeah, yeah. though like um, beating Rangers early in the season and and that kind of thing which was that did that beat their unbeaten record yeah, I think did, it was did, at the yeah. time and and he he's gone toe to toe with the bigger sides a, a few times yeah, had no, a bit of a blind spot against Hearts thankfully but but no and that's the thing like if you're bringing in a young manager and a very inexperienced manager so his only previous experience was East of Scotland League with Kelty Hearts that's a uh, it's a big jump up to the top flight and He's done exactly what's been asked of him. He's started to bring the young guys in, um, which is what he, he, he needs to do, give them experience. That's why he's there, because he's worked with them before and that's what Dundee United want to do and, and that's that's kind of very admirable. And it's bold to be able to bring it. And I think what when Craig Fowler and I talked about it at the start of the season, we were both concerned that because he's a young manager, it would be very easy to be naive and to chuck the young players in right from the start and to be a bit of a shambles. He didn't do that, he relied, he lent on his experienced players, someone like Charlie Mulgrews who's been superb this season um, some of the other guys, and what he's done is he's gradually brought these young guys in, and that's exactly, he's done exactly the right thing, and, and we talked about good and bad scenarios for them in terms of how it could go if it went well and it went badly and he's gone down the went well one in terms of you know, the, the, the experienced players have come through, the young guys have come in and done well and now they've given themselves a big chance, because yeah, they're Dundee United, they're a bigger club, but to go from, and I know Hearts have literally done it in one year to better, but to go from the Championship within two years to qualifying for Europe would still be a good achievement, and, and he's on course to do that. Two moments I want to highlight from this game before we move on. The Dan, Danny Mullen miss, what, what the hell? But he scores, and I tell you what, he's not the most prolific, but he seems to score very important goals. And Charlie Adams' goal, what happens? Dundee United just stop functioning. It's like Dundee unplugged their controller or something. Yeah, but it's it's weird because it's like you don't unplug controllers anymore, do you? Not in twenty twenty two. It depends. On they, are, they are wireless, but if you ran out of battery, which happens to me all the time, so I never remember to charge them, then you have to keep it plugged in to keep playing. So you can just get about, just get away with that so one. So if I blocked them from charging, yeah, the yeah, if it had been on controller for a long in time, advance of the game, then yeah, you would be you'd be able to get away with that metaphor. So we'll we'll, we'll take it. Um, Charlie Adam, it's a great finish and it's, it's superb. But it's just, it's just, it looks weird. It, it, it curves so much, and I think Chelsea. You're mentioning Chelsea earlier. Sorry, Seagrass <laughs> is caught out by the um, caught out by that, and I don't really blame him because he's he's unsighted and it, and it takes a wild swerve. But it's a very odd looking goal. Yeah, uh, especially after. I mean, Dundee United had just scored a uh, sorry, Dundee United just conceded a fairly poor goal. Before that, yeah, shut up shop a bit. Within like, a couple, yeah, exactly. Within a couple of seconds, it it, it just looks like they've all stopped and watched Charlie Adam just stroll for uh, five yards and then whack it in the inside of the post. It is amazing that like Adam very vis visibly this season is not fit enough to play centre midfield in the traditional way in um, in Scottish football. But nobody's thought like all we need to do is not let him, you know, get. A bit of space. If he doesn't have space, he's not really going to be that effective. But he just keeps getting it, and it's obviously his experience as well. But yeah, it was a love. I mean, you don't take away from the quality of the strike because it was really good. Well, let's move on to our final two matches. I don't think we're going to spend too much time on these. I mean, okay, it was an absolutely fantastic performance from Celtic, which we'll talk about in a minute. It was a pretty routine win for Rangers, but we wanted to give the bulk of the show to to the to the matches where there was something riding on at the top six. I'm sorry that we spent a wee bit too much longer on the Edinburgh Derby than we probably should. But well, that's it was just... my fault. It's not like the Edinburgh person that's doing it. It's just me talking. And there was supposed to be another Hearts fan here tonight and they, didn't, they couldn't make it. So so there you go. Uh, you got you got off lightly. 
So we'll talk about Celtic 7, St Johnston nil first. Um, yeah, let, let's talk about Celtic first because it, it's, it, 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 would be, it would be wrong not to, I think. It, they just looked outstanding. And not only that, I think it, the way Ange Postacoglu was talking after the match, it sounds like he has prepared for them to peak at this point of the season. I, I have doubts about that. I think he's just. I think. That's oh, you think like, he's just played after, up to it? I think after timing over one seven now, so that's. That well, I was thinking the, the 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 game last week as well. Uh, yeah, maybe. I I just think it sounds like over. We've won a couple of games, and rather than, and I don't mean it in a bad way, but he's he's making sure that it's not just the players getting credit. Do you know what I okay, mean? Okay, maybe I've fallen and, for it. Maybe but, you're right. But I, 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 that's not to say they, they have been. They, they've been excellent in the last few weeks, and and that so there will be an element of truth to it. But I think there's like. It's very, it's 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 calculated as well. I think from him because I think that everything he does is quite um, quite calculated. I I think he's he's obviously it's the same as most managers, most players who come to Celtic. He's he's eyeing already, you know, kind of get a shot at England in, in one of the bigger clubs, and they'll definitely be interested in what he's been doing. Um, and so yeah, I think there's, there's an, an element to that, but but nonetheless, he's built a he's built a fantastic team at Celtic. I had doubts. As I said many times that I watched his Australia team play. They were they were very ordinary. But I've now realised that's probably because he couldn't sign players for Australia. He's just left for the shit he had. But because <laughs> the the team, the most of that team that's out there for him are, are players that have come in since he arrived at the club. He's completely rebuilt a Celtic squad. Um, he's only retained you know a few players here and there, but he's made them such a formidable outfit. And you're seeing. Two forwards that I doubted, Jack and Marcus and Maida, um, both both had excellent games, and yeah, every pit, every bit of that team is working to perfection. And Just the very, depth, that's what I mean. There's very that it leaves us with very little to say because you're the depth is unbelievable. O'Reilly comes off the bench and he 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 can't get in the team at the moment, and he looks amazing. I mean, Celtic would have they were crying out for 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 players like this last season, and now. Now they they don't have enough space for yeah, for no. all the ones that they have. That goal, I don't know if you saw, can't even remember who it was. So I'm sorry, but somebody's uploaded a a clip from the Twitter of full build up to one of O'Reilly's goals. It gets a little bit kind of like watching Spain in 2012 or whenever it was. But um, I they, think they have the ball for ages and they're just patient. And then there's some really really the bit that you actually see on the highlights is. Amazing intricate build up, and then a lovely bit of skill before he to to make the yard and then put it in the the, the top corner. I mean, it, it's it looks like the. I mean, it has to be the goal of the season. Isn't it? Is, is there one that I'm forgetting? Is there one that's already there's, topped it? There's not been like a Kimar roof from the halfway line or there, anything. There probably, is there? There's, there's been a lot of nonsense this season, so there probably has. But <laughs> um, the one thing I'll say about that is uh, I don't think he would score that goal at 0-0 because I think St Johnston had. Packed it in a wee bit by then, but um, so the pressing wasn't what every goal they just it looked like they just wanted the ground, they just wanted the game it over. Felt, didn't it they? felt very much like we've got to turn up here, then we've got two weeks off, and the, the next five games that are coming up are the ones that matter. And maybe that's true, but bangles are goal difference, yeah, no, so. exactly. And and it's it could come down to that, it's not it's not inconceivable. And, and they, they had a fairly good goal difference compared to St Mirren, but it, it looked like an extra point oh, last week. Having said that, St Mirren then took a pound in as well, so it wasn't quite as um as as bad as it could have been. But um, yeah, they, they they were they were rancid. It was a really really bad St Johnston performance. Nothing was really good about it. Um, and it's if they've they've been poor a lot this season, but they've not really taken doings like that. And that'll be a bit of a worry, but. It's so hard to tell because any team can go to Celtic Park. I, I, no that's what how. I was going to say. I think it's more that, to yeah. be honest. Yeah, like Kelly were top of the league and went to Celtic Park a couple of years ago and got beat 5-1. It doesn't matter how good a team you are, how good your manager is, how good anything is. If they want to do that and they turn up, they've just got a bigger budget, better players than you and they can do that to you. Um, so, yeah, but it, it was, I think looking at the table now and looking at who made it into the top six particularly... With their goal difference, Celtic are probably going to have to drop points in two matches beyond the Rangers match, and and I can't see it happening. When when they were talking last week about whether the league was done, and and on the Monday show, I was kind of thought it was maybe a wee bit premature, but looking now, especially with who made the top six, I can't see 
even they, they they could lose to Rangers, and that's possible. But even after that, they would probably have to drop in two other games, and I, I just can't see them not winning three games between now and the end of the season. So I think they they will be champions, um, barring again Rangers going out and beating someone twelve 0 or something because they could definitely lose a game. Celtic, anyone can lose a game beyond the Rangers one, but. Yeah, that, that's what I expect to see. Yeah, and we said exactly the same thing last week, uh, me and Fowler. Uh, who, where, where are those drop points coming from? Uh, given I the, think if, if it had been like Hibs or something, even even a bad Hibs team just going Easter Road, for example, you could see a team losing that. But I don't think so. I mean, Celtic don't lose at first Park. I, mean, I know they famously lost the league there. Uh, I, can't, <laughs> I, can't, I don't actually remember the fixtures and where they're going, but none of those... I know they have hearts you know at home, and that <laughs> Tynecastle's the only one I think they would have been worried about, and they've not, they've not, they don't have to go there. Anyway, if if there is going to be a team that overhauls Celtic this season, it's going to be Rangers. That's one of the better links I've I've managed this um, this show. They defeated St Mirren four 0 in Paisley in the live match on Sky on Sunday. I mean, it was a fairly routine win for Rangers. Really, wasn't at the roof. Scored early on. It looked like a fairly balanced setup. I thought from Stephen Robinson, it didn't look like a, an overly negative setup. They kind of came back into it a wee bit. Obviously, they got off to the worst possible start, and then nothing much happened up until Roof scored again just before half time, and then Rangers scored early in the second half. And it was, it, like I say, it was just kind of routine from there. And Robinson was quite right, I think, afterwards that shouldn't really be too negative about it um it's easier easier said when you've not been absolutely shit since you arrived though yeah i suppose but it, it just well for me what stood out about that it was kind of like the opposite of what he said before because like he had said well we're in a we're in a survival fight and then he was asked are you in a survival fight and he was like no no we've got to kind of remain positive and that kind of thing kind of get where he's coming from and yeah i mean there's another one who I know the form's not been great, but he's also not had a chance to really change the squad much. And he's a, he's another one who definitely deserves um, a summer transfer window to to change that squad up before he's before he's fully judged. And let's be honest, I mean he's not the first minute manager to to barely land the glove on Rangers. What about what does this say about Kimar Roof and and Rangers attack in general? Actually, it does this show that. He could have played a few matches where Morelos could have had a bit of a rest and then Rangers would maybe have him for a bit of the run-in. Yeah, I think it, it, it was strange what Van Bronckhorst said because what Rangers did last season worked. The the Morelos played a lot of games in Europe and, and Ruth played a lot more domestically and they and they got the both out of the best out of both forwards as a result. And Van Bronckhorst has almost just went, Morelos is my striker. And that's fine, but you're on the risk that if he gets injured, you've then got a guy who's barely kicked a ball, probably doesn't like you very much, rather than thinking you're on part of this squad, okay. Because I, I, I don't think any forward that's at Rangers is under any illusions that Alfredo Morelos is better than them. That's fine, so when it comes to a big game, you accept that he's getting picked ahead of you. But that's fine if you're getting the minutes, and, and Ruth hadn't been getting the minutes. He's going a hat-trick against this St Mirren team, I'm not sure tells you a lot about him, but... We have a we have a past record of how good Kemar Roof can be in this league. He should have played a lot more minutes. I think Rangers would have benefited from it. Morelos might have got injured anyway. It's not like you can say, oh, you know, less fatigue and, and you don't know all that. But he was saving his best football for Europe. I think it would be fair to say, which he probably always has. Um, and yeah, I think I think it, it's been a mistake by Van Bronckhorst how he's used that. I mean, fair enough. He's not got another striker worth of salt. Like none of the rest are between them are any good. So. I can understand not picking Aten or Sakala or Diallo because these guys are all not good enough. But Ruth, they've already said they're not gonna yeah. uh, try and extend Diallo's yeah, loan. Of the not surprised. Even when he got that chance on Saturday, it was a Sunday. It was hopeless. Um, and and that's that's just been an example. Like the the rec the recruitment in the forward areas has been really poor. The other thing I say about Joe Aribo is a, a fantastic goal. Um, and, and it, it kind of sums up Aribo for me because I think he do always does his best work like when the game's away I can't remember lots of he's, he's done it he's done it a few times but 
I feel like most of his examples of things he does that are really good are when Rangers are already winning like 3 0. And I think that's what he needs to add to his game. He was a player of the year candidate at the start of the season, first half of the season or whatever. And yeah, he he's really his form's really, really fallen off a cliff. I, I, I mean, I was actually surprised. It was a few weeks or a month ago or something like that, then I thought about him and I thought Shit, I've not really heard. He's not done anything for weeks. That was kind of my realization that he, yeah, I, he, I don't know if it's exactly since the winter break or not, but uh, yeah, there's been quite a quite a while now where Joe, Joe Rebo's not really contributed enough. If he can get the right manager to just get him doing it more often, you can see players that um, someone like Tom Rogic, you might have said similar about before. His at some point under Rogers turned into a big game player. He's got that level of ability. He, he just needs to, you know, yeah. use it better. I think one of the things to add to what you said about Rangers' recruitment, not only that, but they seem to have completely missed the boat over and over again. Uh, they seem to want to do the the model where you bring in players and sell them at peak value, but they never seem to sell anybody at peak value. And I think that's a big part of... I mean, maybe, maybe that's part of the reason why they haven't signed as well as they maybe should have. I've got the money because they, yeah, Kamara and Morelos were the two that last summer were at their absolute Kent, Kent, Kent as well possibly. I thought, I thought you would. Look have how much them. he's he's been terrible this season. I mean, compared to the standards he set last season, Kent has been terrible. He's had his moments, but for a team that wants to win a league, that's nowhere near good enough for your one of your supposed or star players yeah yeah and I, but I think yeah you you're right they've they've failed to capitalize on those players and and they will now even if they can sell them will get less than they, they could have done now it was a calculated gamble they thought we'll keep these guys we'll get um you know we'll win the league again we'll get the champions league and all that but it looks like that's not going to be the case it looks like they've as i say built up that champions league spot only for them to gift it to celtic so That'll that'll be a worry for them, but I, I don't buy into all the kind of financial trouble stuff. They'll be no, fine no, if they, no. they'll be fine if they sell the players and stuff. But it's, they could have been in a much stronger position with yeah. it if they if they'd got the business right. And you're you're absolutely spot on, Craig. But they they just haven't. Well, I think that's uh, I was going to say that's a good note to end on. <laughs> Ranger, Rangers Rangers being shit, <laughs> being negative about Rangers. Our job's done here. No, I think uh, I think we've covered everything there. Um, everything that's it thorough everyone every fan of every club is going to be delighted about what we've said every week we always nail it thank you very much Craig thanks very much Craig thanks for coming around it's, 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 it's nice to be here we've, we've, we've had a little drink and um, as the you probably tell as the podcast has gone on we've degenerated but um, and we've still got the Patreon to come but yeah no, it's been lovely to, to sit sit in a room and, um, and talk football because it's been a while since we've done it yeah, and we will be, well, not us personally, but us as a podcast, we'll be back on Thursday with the usual show and then back next Monday to talk about the Scottish Cup semi-finals. And in between all that, there'll be plenty of Patreon content going up, including, as Craig's just mentioned, the one we are going to go and do now. So please join us over there and we'll speak to you all soon. Sports Social Podcast Network. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh.